0: This episode is sponsored by Coastal Leather Supply, created by Leather Crafters for Leather Crafters, supplying premium leather, tools and all your other leather working needs. Specialise in vegetable tan leather such as buttero, Pueblo and many others. They ship internationally and are trusted in the Australian and New Zealand leather working community. Visit CoastalLeatherSupply.com.au. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Joseph M. Leather Podcast, so today I'm with... Jared from Artisan Sun. Jared is the founder and creates premium handmade products for leather, timber, metals and others. His products contain all natural ingredients and are made in Adelaide, Australia. His leather conditioner has been sold locally as well as overseas. He carries five-star reviews and stocks of a variety of sizes, kits and brushes to get his customers taking care of their goods. Welcome,
1: Jared. Thanks, Joseph, for all that glowing introduction there, mate. Hopefully <laughs> I can hope like live up to all those kind words. So thank you. And... Also, uh, welcome to all the listeners. Thanks for tuning in.
0: No, I do like the introductions because I do to formulate them. You sort of you get a picture of the of the person. Look on their website. So no, it's great. And um, yeah, I have seen your your stuff in store. So it's good to have you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. So um, tell me a bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So uh, without going into too much detail, uh, probably analogy I'll use is the famous banjo Patterson. Yeah. Um, If you don't know much about Banjo (laughs) Patterson, he's Australia's most famous poet. Yeah. And uh, as a child, Banjo Patterson grew up on a family farm. It was his father's farm. As a young boy, he uh, lived and grew up on a a hard-working farm. Uh, And then, in his adult life, had to go to the Big Smoke, as he called it. Yeah. And he started his professional career as a a lawyer, and then as a professional writer. Yeah. Uh, And my childhood... I draw a link between Banjo Patterson, not with his writing abilities, but uh, as a child, I spent many, many days, many hours working on my family farm in the southeast of uh, Australia. So the outback of yeah. South Australia, yeah, uh, the bit of land it's called the 90 Mile Desert. So it's a really hard bit of land. And as a young kid, I did a lot of hard, hard times. Um, when I say hard times, a lot of hard work.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but a lot of moments that shaped my life. So a lot of stories I won't share with you today, but I can at one point. But some really heartfelt stories of hardship and, and a lot of joy at the same time. Um, and I think those early years working on my family farm uh, is what got me here today.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, like, with a, with a farm, because I know my mum grew up on a farm, but it's you do face those hardships with, like, drought, floods, you know, a lot of things that we, we sort of forget about in the city. Yeah. You know, you have draining systems, you have, you know, shopping centres. Yeah. So...
1: So probably my ideal of a good time is uh, just chucking my uh, sleeping yeah. bag in the back of the ute and heading back to the farm. Yeah, so the family cool. farm's still in, uh, still with us today and that's yeah. obviously a source of my inspiration and um, yeah. also some of my primary goods come from the family farm. Yeah. But what i also say is that as a young kid, I wanted to be a farmer yeah. and everyone told me, no, 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 you, you won't make it. Uh, and that turned out to be true uh, financially. Um, it's not viable to actually be yeah. a farmer on such a small plot of land. Now I've had lots of visitors come over and visit me on this property at Coomindook, and they're amazed at how big it is. Like we can ride from one end to the other, and people are like, wow, this is huge. And it, you know, it takes a while to do that, going from one corner to the other. And people go, you can't make a living off this. It's it's a drop in the ocean, it's yeah. macro farming these days. So I, in my keep back in uh, back in Adelaide, the big smoke, a bit yeah. like Banjo Patterson.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, then, how did the product making, the leather conditioner, or the the artisan suns, come about from that?
1: Yeah. So, um, this is actually my soapbox. this is an old soapbox that was given to me. That's nice. And I've actually restored it using all my own products. There's no dyes on it. There's nothing apart from artisan sun yeah. waxes and oils on it. Um, and I'll grab this tin out here because I like to talk about my product in my hand. So. Well, many, many years ago, uh, how the label came about because you asked me even pre-interview. How did? When did I start? And I said to you, I started in 1986. So since 1986, I've been developing. I've been working. I haven't stopped working. You know, to this day, somebody says, "Oh, what are you doing in your spare time?" I'll be working. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people call me a workaholic. I just, I just love it. I love engaging with my products. I love engaging with my brand. I love everything about my company. Uh, it is a labour of love. People say to me, why do you do it? It's a labour of love. Um, the formal image, Artisan son. how did all that come about? Oh, f- many years ago, oh, I'll, I'll forget the time, I went into a blacksmith at Sebeltsville Winery. Yeah. And the blacksmith there, Barry Gardner, renowned smith. he had seen some of my, my work, seen some of my products... And he said, I love it. And he was all, all into it. Very passionate man. Grabbed some of my tools that I had and some of my products, and my leather products that I had. He's like, this is fantastic. And he was really embracing with it. And I was like, okay, like, yeah. this guy's really passionate. Maybe he's as passionate as me, I don't know. And he really took a shining to it and said, oh, what's your company name? And I said, sorry, mate, your company name? And he's like, oh, yeah, what's, what's your product? And I said, oh, it's, it's me. Um, these are the products I've been using for for years. Yeah. And he said, I, I really want it. I love Fair it. Enough. He goes, would you do something with it? And I said, oh, I don't know. And he goes, are you on Instagram? And this is Barry Gardner. He's getting on. If you're listening, Barry, full credit to your mate. <laughs> but he's getting on. Um, and he whipped out his phone and dead set. He beat me because he had Instagram. He yeah. had all these followers. And at that time, I hadn't even had a personal Instagram account, let alone a business one.
0: What, was, what year was that?
1: Oh, it must have been when Instagram started up, so what yeah. year that is, uh, look it up. Um, and he said to me, like, look, you've got to get Instagram, you've got to get onto it, you've got to, you know, put something behind it. So he was really the catalyst for it. Yeah. He sort of prompted me to do something. I was very, at the start, I, I say, I lived the brand. I, I was doing work and projects since I was a young boy, so I wasn't interested in making a business of it. Yeah. It was through other artisans that said, hey, look, you've got a good thing. I went to another leathersmith in Harndorf uh, and I said, look, I've, I've got a product, I've got a name on it, are you interested in giving it a shot? Mm-hmm. And he said, look, before you even say any more, I sell the best-selling leather conditioner in all of Australia and I make my own leather conditioner. And that was pretty, light. I was like, oh, okay. I said, I've got nothing to lose, mate. I said, here's, here's my product. I, I personally believe it's the best possible yeah. product out there on the market. And I still say that to the day because I believe it is, there is no other company I know that are using the same quality of ingredients yeah. that I am. You, you couldn't, some of my primary ingredients, I'll get some of them out in a minute, but you just can't beat the quality. I've, yeah. I had a chat with a retailer the other day and they just said, look, your, your product's hands down. Uh, and this smith at Harndorf, he said, all right, I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, it was a week later, he said, I want another tin. Another week later, he said, I want two tins. And then it was a month later, he turned around to me and said, Jared, he goes, that's the best." leather conditioner I've ever used he then said I'm not making my own leather conditioner anymore I'm just using yours and then after he sold out of the stock he had of the best-selling conditioner in all of Australia um, he's since stocked mine I've been his leading leading uh, brand in his shop Um, and that's just one story I've got lots of other artisans that got behind me as well but I think the hard part is breaking down that door and a lot of Leathersmith's uh, you know they'll have a product that they've used before, and that's I respect yeah. that. But they weren't even willing to have a go or try yeah. something new, which is something that's really hard to break across when you when you're really passionate like I am. Uh, for people to give your product a go, it's actually really hard.
0: Yeah, I was, I was thinking that when you're talking because, you know, a lot of leather leather crafters, even myself, like you yeah. make your own leather conditioner, and it's like because you're so attached to your products, yeah. it's like you know you're attached to your conditioner, yeah. so. Um, I completely understand with those yeah. crafters, so good. that's great that you can be able to break through the door. Yeah, and I so. think
1: early on as well, um, a couple of people realised they had a really good product and there was a lot of questions. The number one question I get asked all the time is, what's in your product? Uh, and somebody warned me early on, be really careful, Jared, because these crafters, they only want to know your ingredients because they want to take your product. Uh, and it's funny, some, somebody did find out what's in my product they tried to replicate it they couldn't because of the the raw ingredients if you have the very best you just can't beat that you yeah. can't buy that what i produce on my farm in kumindook the processes i go through yeah. you nobody's willing to go that far i don't i don't i've never heard of anyone taking the processes as far as i do Somebody so it's a bit fanatic or a bit picky but i'm really really passionate yeah. and i believe that's where you know It's i'm still going today. yeah
0: Can I ask you about, because we met, you spoke to me prior about
1: people who have tried to rip. Yes, yeah. Can you tell? Because I thought that was like a little bit of a Yeah, so um, early on I've had uh, lots of other leathersmiths that bought my product just to purely try and copy it. Um, And it's humbling, really. I'm really humbled to say that now. It's nice that people try and uh, take off your product. But other Uh, countries, so. Yeah, and then obviously in America, there's a lot of big brands in America and they're doing great things. And um, the irony is there's a lot of big... Uh, big brands that are getting beaten by uh and over in America as well. So I had some yeah. big, big name, Leathersmiths America. Uh, yeah, disclose to me that your, your product's number one, we love it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and there are some really big companies I'm fighting against with a lot more budget than I am. I, don't, I haven't spent, I've spent zero dollars in marketing, yeah. zero dollars to date on marketing mm-hmm. on my product. And these companies in America, they had big, big buckets of mm-hmm. money on marketing. Uh, and the other thing was China as well. Um, I had a company from China buy my product and try and replicate it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but yet again, it comes back to the quality of ingredients. It's just they couldn't source the quality of ingredients.
0: So how did you know that they were trying to replica- replicate? Uh
1: yeah. Your so uh, obviously a couple of emails, you know, weirded yeah. weirded emails, and then uh, a purchase of my product that was left you to a. Uh, what you'd call it it would be a manufacturing hub in China so uh, yeah humbling um, and I say yeah, good luck to them all Um yeah. so I stand by my product and yeah I'm yeah. still here
0: yeah one ingredient
1: sorry good one ingredient here, yeah anything. I will <laughs> so secret. yeah my my what recipe it's wax? wax it's wax based so yeah the key to that it's not just one wax it's multiple waxes and yeah. the key to that is how do you have a wax-based product that's uh, manual and will penetrate your leather yeah. and have the right properties for your leather? Yeah. That is the hard part, and nobody's going can do that. Yeah. Uh, and beeswax, yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah. Um, that is one, obviously, on my farm, we run bees. And that's one that's nice. block of triple-filtered uh, beeswax there. And if you have a look at it and you smell that... Yeah, it
0: smells like candle.
1: It smells like candle. It is... Gone through a number of processes to get to that point, that yeah. golden colour and that scent. There, it's
0: like a block of gold. Like a to get gold. to it,
1: yeah, it's a block of gold, uh, but it's obviously taking the right waxes at yeah. the right times yeah. with the bees uh, foraging from the right sources yeah, of nectar nice. as well. So, that's one ingredient. It's
0: you sort of burnish your wallet with it. It is. It is
1: terrific. And
0: can you buy it? Can you buy that? Yeah, well one thing
1: that's it's coming up, I'm always doing new product releases, um, something that's soon to be released. I'm going to be releasing a 50 gram burnishing block, uh, and that's a, an example of the shape and colour. That's not my beeswax there, but it's the shape of the colour that I'm going to be releasing yeah, as a burnishing stick there.
0: Um, yeah, because I have like beeswax that you know, you'd use for your threads, just to wax your thread or do your edges. Hmm. But yeah, it doesn't smell like that. Yeah. And every... What's the, what would be the difference between your generic...
1: Yeah, so the differences between beeswax, it's obviously where you get the waxes from yeah. and what time you get them. Uh, beeswax will always differ in terms of colour yeah. and the scent, um, but to a degree I can quality control that yeah. when you manufacture and you process your own wax, which is terrific.
0: So you got bees at your property?
1: Yeah, so I run bees in property, uh, and nice, obviously employ. Uh, yeah, I've got an apiarist as well on board, so I'm buying a lot of wax yeah. each year. Yeah. Uh, keeping one guy very happy, uh, buying. Yeah. You know, commercial quantities of wax now, so it's great supporting South Australians as well. Yeah, that's
0: good. How do you um keep them alive in hot weather? Because I know like hot weather can um, kill bees.
1: Yeah, so it's the location of your yeah, hives, understanding yeah. air flows. Uh, bees are very hardy uh, and yeah. having your hives in the right location yeah. and access to water they will manage themselves yeah. uh, obviously to the best of their ability yeah. provided you give them the right locations and yeah. what amount of water. And also because I know um,
0: where I know someone who has bees on and they sort of live near a farm but they like, spray their crops a lot, mm-hmm. can that, that can damage
1: the bees. Yeah, it can yeah. kill your bees, yeah. so that's the other thing, we're talking about location of your bees and yeah. knowing what's in your bees. The one thing I will say is that it's pesticide free, so yeah, a great. lot of bees keepers and other parts of the world, they'll yeah. have, they've got some terrible yeah. diseases with bees. In Australia we're really lucky not to have all of those, um, so we don't have to use pesticides. Uh, or other treatments to treat our bees so you get the best quality ingredients in the world Uh, and a lot of beekeepers in the world envy what we've got here in Australia because of our conditions.
0: Yeah so why wax based as opposed to an oil based?
1: Yeah good good question so why did I go a wax based product over oil bases? Um, So the legacy of my company uh, Artisan Son, I'm the son of all the artisans that come before me, my father and my grandfather and my great-great-grandfather and um, they obviously all were hard-working men mm-hmm. and one thing that they instilled in me my grandfather had bees uh, he worked bees he worked the land uh, he was a founding member of South Australia as well uh, he believed in the very best yeah. products and one thing early on he knew and said waxes are far superior to oils when yeah. it comes to protecting things uh, waxes have been used for you know centuries now yeah uh, oils as well Uh, One thing that, if you can get the the blend right, having the blend of waxes and oils is superior. And a lot of the leather that I was using, I love waxed leathers. I love Mm -hmm. oiled tan leathers as well. Uh, And the tanneries process. You know, my grandfather's been tanning. It's it's that's something else I wanted to talk about because tanning leather is something that is very foreign to a lot of people. But you've got to understand tanning of leathers was done on my farm it was done for generations i as a kid tanned oh really yeah so i the very first project i had a i'd go out and hunt uh, hunt for food i'd hunt for pest control uh, a big part of my life Um, and my grandmother went through the depression so food sometimes was scarce like i put it this i'll tell a quick story one time we were eating boiled uh, lettuce Oh, yeah. So the yeah. lettuce had gone off, my grandmother chopped it up and boiled it to us and we had boiled lettuce and for me as a kid that was something that was horrible but it taught me a valuable lesson. My grandmother never threw anything away and coming back to that we'd turn to the land for food so I'd go out and hunt, catch yeah. rabbits uh, and then obviously we were left with the pelts, the furs, I'd tan them up yeah. and I made sheaths and all sorts of other things yeah. with uh, yeah. rabbit skins because yeah. that's what was available and the processes. Tanning is something that you shouldn't be scared about if you're interested in It's yeah. definitely worth having a go because the processes are age old um, and you know yet again you come back to some of the, the processes and the ingredients used in that. Uh, my heritage oil as well, um, that little one there. The tanning process is still used today, it's the same oil so yeah. things haven't changed a lot. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I'll talk later about is the viscosity of oils and yeah. making sure that your product meets leather smiths needs But at the same time meets the needs of the leather. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying when I approach yeah. my products I'm always thinking about a leather smith point of view. I work with leather. I work with timber. I work with metals. I work with everything When I develop my products, I'm always thinking about what's going to be best for the, the customer? What's going to be best for the user? and also the maker, what's the best possible product I can create, yeah. that goes into everything.
0: Yeah,
1: um, And I never stopped creating, like I'm talking about releasing a burnishing bar, somebody else approached me and said, oh, I'm looking for this product, uh, foolishly. I said, oh yeah, of course I can do that. Yeah. Um, but I haven't released that yet, so yeah. products on the go.
0: Um, in regards to the tanning, what's the Australian, what can you use in Australia that would tan? Yeah,
1: so depending on the region and the location yeah. you're from, so uh, in South Australia we weren't so lucky yeah. um, in terms of the tannins and the, even the, on that family farm we're dealing with a lot of uh, mallee shrubs just because the, yeah. the land is so harsh. When you're dealing with mallee and eucalypts that are low-lying, uh, it is really difficult to find tannins, to do yeah. natural tanning processes. Eastern states, New South Wales, Victoria, uh, their eucalypt varieties and tree varieties yeah. are just, you know, wow. Yeah, I was going to yes.
0: ask, can you, can you tan with eucalyptus?
1: Uh, some types of tannins you can. Um, my mentality: if there's a will, there is a way. Yeah. So yes, you know, mallee has been used and uh, some tannins, but it's just how hard. you yeah. How hard you want to make the process? Yeah. My grandfather, uh, you know, clearing the land by hand, uh, and then making and maintaining your tools—it's just
0: oh, yeah. all by
1: yourself. i just I take my hat off to him. So, mm. you know, the amount of effort he went to for some very basic processes, uh, just it's humbling
0: so how does the like the tannin like the chemical reaction to the hide so it's the is it the release of the chemicals in the you know bark or whatever gets into the hide and sort of yeah how does it work because it it maintains the leather from going off like leather yeah so it's
1: obviously controlling that process through the tanning process and obviously the key ingredient being the tannins are used to do that uh but depending on what sort of hide you've got, uh, what the desired uh, response, if you want the fare on, fare off, yeah. there's different processes. Uh, and you know, one other thing I'll mention here in Adelaide, we had we had a really big tannery here in Adelaide. And yeah. a lot of people don't realise it was actually located just out at Mount Barker it was yeah. a huge tannery. And uh, many people said, oh I didn't realise we had tanneries here in Adelaide. Yeah. Well, we've still got tanneries here in Adelaide, but there was a really big one at Mount Barker. And the reason it was located so far out of town is because tanneries historically they stink. Yeah. Uh, and part of the hair removal process, it's mm-hmm. developing bacteria and developing a chemical process that the byproduct, the gas, is just woeful. It smells horrendous. Um, but as I say it's it's a it's something that if you're interested, give it a go, and yeah. you can. There's lots of different ways to do it.
0: Yeah. How have you? Um because, like, it's not just vegetable tan leather, there's, like, combination tan. Yeah, different Chrome, Chrome yeah. Excel.
1: yeah. How have you managed to... Balance that market yeah. and those needs, yeah. Look, that's a really good question. How do you balance the market needs? There's always new leathers being... There's always new tanning combinations uh, being released. That's awesome. And the way I've combated that is by having a product that meets the needs of a great variety yeah. of leathers. So, wax-based... I've got my heritage oil, so yeah. having total control of your products as well, I think is key. So I always talk about when you're doing any leather treatment, you've got to think about what's the needs of the leathers. And I've just finished up, I'm going to grab my pair of Iron I've just finished restoring this pair of boots. Now this pair of boots came to me and it was in terrible condition. Yeah. And run through the process, it was a full clean. So basically went through with an and some leather soap and... Um, Now I'll show you the leather soap.
0: Yeah, I like that kit.
1: Yeah, and this is my go-to kit, the heritage kit. I strongly recommend. A lot of people go, oh, I'm going to get the leather conditioner. I'm just going to get the oil. This is the one-stop shop to have it all. I like that. It's all in there. Total control of your product. So you start off with a natural leather soap. Mm -hmm. And basically, if I undid that, you have a look at the the product. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, it's clear. Yeah, I was like, it's clear. Yeah. So quick story on that. Um, I Obviously, my grandfather used saddle soap. I use saddle soap. I've made my own saddle soap. I've
0: had saddle soap.
1: <laughs> you got saddle soap. And the problem with saddle soap is, or for me, the problem I find is that when you clean your leathers, you're actually trying to eliminate the dirt, the grime, excess oils and waxes on the boot. You're trying to get rid of that.
0: Does that does it remove polish as well?
1: Like uh the leather, the leather soap, yes. Oh,
0: no, like your normal saddle soap.
1: Your normal saddle soap. Well, the problem I found with using a saddle soap was... It's yellow in colour, yeah. it's that really rich yellow, and now, traditionally that was a positive because well, that yellow came from the fats they applied into that saddle soap, yeah. but over time it's actually just a diet added, so that was a really big concern for me, yeah. because they were trying to replicate natural ingredients. So saddle soaps changed over time, and depending on the maker. And that's uh, all like in here. Yeah, so you're left with this Get yellow that. goop that... Essentially, it's cleaning, but the idea of saddle soap, it's supposed to be a cleaner and also replenish some of the oils yeah. at the same time. For me, that's contradictory. Why do you want to clean and also apply oil at the same oh, time? Okay, yeah. For me, I wanted a product that I could clean my leathers, yeah. do the assessment of the leather, see where it's at, and then come through, hydrate it with my oil. And hydration is a really, I'm really pedantic with how I hydrate my leathers. Yeah. When I did the restoration of this particular boot, full clean, let it dry for a day and then I could come back and I could assess how much hydration they need yeah. and depending on the leather it needs different amounts. So I went through and did a full coat of the heritage oil, full coat of the oil, I let the boot up take that oil for a day and then I did another assessment and what am I looking for? I'm looking at colour, Just what was the colour of the leather like, how supple was it? Yeah. This particular boot I did two coats of leather oil so it was the clean, two coats of leather oil and then finally, it got the Artisan Sun Leather Conditioner over the top there as the final seal and protect. So coming back to the different types of leather, I think it's really important that you've got control over your leathers because there's so many different types. Yeah. I've got a pair of Red Wing Iron Rangers I'm currently wearing now and when I received these brand new from the factory, the first thing I did was I gave them a hydration and then finished up with the leather conditioner. Yeah. And that was brand new. And it was interesting, I had a friend bought same pair of boots, same time as me. He turned around to me the other day and goes, Jared, your boots still look brand new.
0: Yeah.
1: And I said, did you hydrate or did you condition your boots when you got them? He said, no. Nah.
0: Yeah, you have, you have to do it. That's like it. It is
1: It is essential. And you know, a pair of boots like this, they last a lifetime if you care for them properly.
0: Yeah. I'll ask you on your oil because I've mm. heard that you shouldn't really, this is what I've heard from, yeah. you know, forums. So, you know, you get yeah. 10,000 different opinions. Yeah. People say that, you know, oil, because um, leather needs fat to hydrate it. So when I saw your oil product, I was like, wow, like, you have your heritage oil. Yep. So what's the... Because I know you can use different types of oil, like cod oil. Um, yeah. These we can get into this, but what's the role of the oil? Like the fats help hydrate the boot, so you don't really need new mm-hmm. oil? Yeah. So explain that.
1: So a fat... You, let's break down what a fat is. So I think we've got to understand the role of a fat. Yeah. A fat is an oil. So yeah. an oil is a fat at room temperature. So some oils will be solid state or liquid state depending on the temperatures. Yeah. So when you're talking about fats and oils, well, a fat can be an oil, an oil can be a fat. They're depending on the state. So yeah. let's clear that up straight away. So fats and oils, let's just say we're talking about...
0: Tallow. Tallow,
1: called? yeah, a, an animal byproduct. Um, that is essentially a hydration uh, mechanism or product to get into the leather. Whatever it be, you, you need to get hydration in there. Yeah. Uh, once you get the proper hydration, like I said, I want total control in my leather care, hence I use the, an oil. The viscosity, and we've mentioned this word before, yeah. that's talking about how thick an oil is. The viscosity of this particular product is such that allows you to control how much is penetrating the leather oil. I've, And a classic example, if you've ever used a petroleum byproduct, like a lot of leather uh, products have petroleum byproducts, mineral oil,
0: yeah.
1: the viscosity of that is very, very thin. Yeah. Very, very thin. So it quickly absorbs into the leather really quickly. You've got very little control over that process. Um, when you've got a thicker viscosity, greater control over your product, how much is going into your leather and not yeah. taking it. So whether it's animal fat or whether it's artisan right. heritage oil, hydrate it. Follow up with a wax-based conditioner which is going to seal and protect that leather. So it's also got some hydrating properties, but nowhere as much as a, a dedicated hydration oil. Yeah. so hydrate, seal and protect and that comes over the top. Um,
0: I think that's good that you have a look that. at this.
1: So talking about protecting, you feel that boot there and tell me what does it feel like? Have a look at the pull-up. like the natural pull-up on this boot you've got. And that's something that is rare to get in a leather. How do you get that? I haven't seen a conditioner that can give you that sort of pull-up again. Yeah. So when you move that boot around, you've got that natural pull-up. And the other thing, I'll do this just over here. That water is just beat all day. Yeah. And the other thing, you a lot of leather smiths will talk about using products to uh, seal and protect. Uh, leather products, yeah. I'm a big believer in keeping it natural because at the same time you want to maintain the integrity of this leather. So when you're wearing this boot, you still want the leather to breathe. Yeah, yeah. If you put a acrylic, a paint, there's lots of different products that you can put over leather projects that will seal a leather, That yeah. don't let the leather breathe again.
0: Yeah.
1: In a particular leather, like a boot, you need it to breathe. Yeah. So if your foot gets hot, it's going to get hot. The water vapor steam is going to still be able to be released yeah. from the boot the leather will still maintain its properties because that's a yeah. great thing. That's why I use leather. I'm passionate about leather yeah. is because it's natural. It lasts a long time and it's also breathable. Yeah. Why are boots still today made using leather? Because this property can't be beaten. Nobody can make a better property yeah. than leather. But at the same time, we've got to come back and think about how best to care for the leather. Um, and people say, Jared, you're really passionate about this. Yeah, I am because a lot of people don't think about well, what's the leather needing? What yeah. do we need? We need to hydrate it. At the same time, when we seal and protect it, we need to think about, can that leather still breathe? Yeah. If it gets hot, that foot inside, how's that water going to escape? Yeah. If that was an acrylic or a chemical finish, it's
0: not going to work. Yeah. Um, so I asked actually, because so, I know that like, when I've made my leather conditioner, you try and combine the fats and the wax together. So you have your tallows and then your beeswax. Mm, mm, mm. Is that that's not as effective as having a separate... Dedicated oil and then a separate dedicated wax.
1: I might, yeah, I'm going to go back to my experiences okay, yep. with my grandfather and leathersmiths that I've used. Yeah, Having control of that process, the hydration, the sealing protecting, I think it's second to none. Why yep. would you want a product, a lot of products try and do it all, but yep. do it all really badly. Yeah, um, A lot of products have petroleum products in there. Why would you ever use a petrol byproduct on a natural product? It, does, it doesn't seem, yeah. it doesn't sit well with me ethically or from uh, a point of view of caring for your leather goods. So, yeah. what are um, separate like wax oil-based products? Why, so.
0: like, do you know why companies would, is it just cheaper? Is there a reason
1: why they would use petroleum? Yeah, so I'll tell you the story again, but we've mentioned this off camera. Uh, many years ago, I went into a Leathersmith store and the Leathersmith at the back was using my product. I believed in it and knew it was a really good product and loved it. And the owner of the store um, had a conversation about my product. And I said, Jared Wyatt from Artisan Son, um, would you like to try my product? Mm-hmm. I said, went through and spoke about the properties and why I believed uh, it was a really good product and what was yeah. the best possible product to put on his shelf. He wasn't interested in any of those details first question how much money am I going to make and for me that hit home this this one particular store owner was just concerned in the profit margin of his leather conditioner and I'll be honest there is not a lot of profit you make on a quality product
0: mm-hmm.
1: waxes are really expensive quality oils are really expensive uh, getting your, your waxes to a triple standard like this is yeah. really time intensive but I'm not going to sacrifice any of that to have an inferior product. So it's a highly competitive market. How yeah. do you separate yourself out? Always striving to be the very best. Yeah. And this customer said, or this store owner I should say, said, well, how much money are you going to make? I told him the profit margins, which weren't a lot, and he said, forget it. And he produced a tube, a plastic tube off the shelf, and said, i get this one for under $2 a tube. And I said, well, how do you think they get it to you for $2 a tube? And he said, yeah. I don't care, mate, I'm making this amount of money yeah. and for me that was a really watershed moment I was like well there's got to be people out there that want something better than just a cheap nasty one stop shop in a plastic tube that's produced for under two dollars like yeah. it's just that's craziness in my books
0: and I reminds you of like, a, like making a good leather product the leather expensive the threads, yeah. and then you'll get like a you know <laughs> off the shelf you know um, genuine leather duffel bag and they'll be like oh yeah, that's cheaper, two hundred bucks by yeah. that instead of your like you know bespoke. Yes. Um, so I guess the where did you get, where did you gain the knowledge to find the ingredients for your items? I just yeah, you know, I think yeah. we've spoken about yeah, that a lot. Obviously, back, my so. grandfather
1: and obviously tanning leather is not a new process. I think that's yeah, we've spoken about that as, as a kid. You know, getting involved yeah. hands on. So all your stuffs made
0: from the ingredients around your farm and all that.
1: Yeah, where where I can locally sourced. Yeah. Um, keep it local
0: yeah um so I guess we we touched on this so how did your product differ to other products yeah. on the market but we'll get into specific so sort of we spoke about saddle so foot mm-hmm. oil so sort of a bit about
1: okay so foot oil what you buy in the shop today is probably not this <laughs> but foot oil traditionally is supposed to be a byproduct of yeah. uh, the offcuts of uh, cows yeah so beef uh, so it was a, an oil derived from the offcuts there um, the extremities there, and true Neatsfoot oil is something to behold. If you can get genuine Neatsfoot oil, yeah. it's worth having a smell and having a bit of a use on leather. Uh, my grandfather used some, and I've used some. And ever since I used some, I said to myself, I am never going to use it again. It, in my opinion, it is a really horrible product just because of the control you have of the of that particular oil and the smell as well is something that. I did not, uh, I wouldn't put on my yeah. leathers. So that's the original. Yeah, idea. it was really, and you know, going through history, there was a lot of animal yeah. byproducts that was used for the hydration process. Um, as times then agriculture got better, uh, practices on my farm have got a lot better. Yeah. Um, so has the processes derive better oils? This is still a natural product. It's a blend of oils to get yeah. the right viscosity. But at the same time, there's no animal byproducts in this oil. The main reason is because of the properties I can get from natural products to get this product. Yeah. Like it is. I don't yeah. need any animal byproducts.
0: Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned a bit about olive oil. What's the... Yeah. What
1: people actually Yeah, it? so olive oil, that's it. It gets, that gets thrown out all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you put it on your salad, it tastes great. Uh, it's great as a salad dressing. You can look it up on forums there. People still say, yeah, it's suitable. You give it a try yourself and let me know what you think. I've, I've yeah. obviously done lots of experiments. The number one thing with that I've mentioned is, um, I'll show you bag at the end, but insect and rodents. Um, you know, being from a fam- uh, farming background, I've seen lots of plagues. Yeah. Um, plagues that get talked about on the news, but rarely I've never seen a news reporter at my particular property when we've had really bad plagues. I'm talking about plagues of insects, mice, yeah. rabbits... I've seen lots of plagues, you've got to think about what those insects and animals are going after when there is zero food on the grounds, because how a plague works, plague will come through and eat everything yeah. possible, uh, and when that food source is gone that they prefer, they'll turn to anything, including yeah. leathers. So, I've seen insects, I've seen rodents, I've seen uh, rabbits eat all sorts of things that you'd think, oh, why would they eat that? And one thing that they aren't too fond of, or they sorry, they are fond of, I should say, is olive oil. So if you want insects or other animals to be interested in your leather products, olive oil's a good thing. Yeah. It's a bit like us. We said olive oil tastes great. Well, you've got to think about, do you want insects and animals attacking your leathers when you have them in storage? Especially historic? when they're starving. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, that's an extreme, extreme example. But I've been through plagues. My leathers, my grandfather's leathers have survived plagues. Yeah. You wouldn't, you never put... Olive oil on any of those products because yeah. it's going to be an attractant to those insects, to those rodents, uh, to your leather products, and yeah. you don't want that.
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Um,
0: what if someone says, "Oh, well, we, I'm in the city. Can I?" Still, if you're in the yeah, city, you could, okay. If yeah, Okay. Yeah.
1: If you if you're thinking, yeah, so what? Uh, one number one thing I would say, you have a look at the pesticides and oh, the yep. insects, um, yep. the, the common clothing moths or wax moth uh, that. That is in everyone's yeah. homes if you don't care for your your environment, right? So, avoid olive oil at all costs because yeah. those moths uh, they will be attracted to certain scents and certain yeah. products. So, if you've got olive oil on your leathers, you just you you're inviting those yeah. pests and insects into an environment that they're going to enjoy more.
0: Yeah. So, a bit about, what about birch oil? So I know. The, I'm not sure if you know about the historical Russian leather that I'm fascinated yes, with. Yes, yeah, I've, I, actually, I don't, I don't know a
1: lot about it, but yeah. I definitely know your fascination with Russian leather. Well, they um,
0: yeah, they use birch oil, and that yeah. was a and and it's sort of similar. They when they produced it, mm. I know it was quite popular in Europe, and I think some people tried to replicate their leather, but they just couldn't. Yeah. So and one of the I know that with birch oil, it's you know very insect repellent. Yeah. It's sort of yeah. Um. Is that that wouldn't be natural to Australia, would it? No, Australia? so that's why yeah, that, it's big in yeah, Europe, yeah. Because it comes from a, a
1: birchwood tree, yeah. which is local to, to Europe. Yeah. The one thing I believe in with all my products, I want my leather to smell like leather and retain that natural yeah. beauty. So, of all my product range,
0: yeah,
1: that the scents and the hues, I want the natural leather yeah. hues and scents and fuels yeah. to come through. Um, going back to that vis-
0: viscosity. Viscosity, of, so yeah. the thickness of an oil. Yeah. yeah. Does that have different leathers, so like kangaroo, cow, calf? Do they have different
1: pores? Like yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you're right on it. So, like I said, I want total control of my leather care. Yeah. If you look at the thickness of a kangaroo hide, extremely thin but yeah. extremely tough. And uh, you know, my uh, another part of my family uh, grows up or grew up in Orroroo and still got farm at farmland at Orroroo.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Orroroo, another tough bit of land out there. It's past the Goiters line. Yeah and any farmers that are listening, if you know what the Goiters line is, that's uh, past the marginal uh, farming area. So anyway, uh, Oroo. East Coast? No, no, South Australia, up north. Okay. Uh, so up north on Oroo, a lot of kangaroo um, harvesting, shooting yep. goes on up there, and a lot of hides. And the beautiful thing of kangaroo leather is just how tough it is. Yeah, it is. You can't beat <laughs> it. It is, it is. And because it's so thin, you got to be careful. I, I keep coming back to this, but... You've got to have control of how much oil you put on your leathers. Now, if you've got a one squeezy tube, how do you control the oils versus a little bit of wax they've got in that? Yeah. You don't. You sort of just squeeze it on. I hope for the best. If you've got the right viscosity oil, you can apply a thin, a thin film yeah. to that leather and then have, have an assessment. Have a look. Have a look at the pull-up. Once you've sat it there, you've had a look at the leather, then you can go, all right, now it needs a little bit more hydration come mm-hmm. back through with a thin film this has got a, a thicker viscosity so that means yeah. that you can put it on the top of your leather there it'll sit there before being pulled in yeah so it gives you workability yeah um, the other thing workability have you ever oil uh, dyed leathers before pre-oiling your leathers before dying gives oh, you yeah, great yeah. control oh, okay, yeah. of the dyeing get great uniform color yeah uh, also, mixing your dyes with some oil uh, just it goes on yeah. like, like butter. It goes, really, goes on smooth and great consistency on okay. your leather. So that's See, another great use of the heritage oil when you're when doing your dyeing. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's, that's one thing that really got me going as well <clears throat> with a quality leather oil. Um, dyeing leather that isn't hydrated is just fraught with problems. Yeah. Splotchy, uneven colour. Pre-oiling your leather, then coming through with an oil-based dye or mixing your dye with an oil just gives you uniform and greater control of your dyeing process. And that's, yeah, yet again, I keep coming back. I I like the control of my products uh, and that's the reason I developed them. I developed them because I was using them and other leathersmiths were using my products and going, hey, this is great. Um, And hence, you know, it's still going because it
0: it works. Yeah. So you can pre-oil dye and yeah. then you condition it straight afterwards is that yeah, the oh definitely, yeah definitely yeah definitely
1: okay you've always got to do some sort of sealant and a lot of the mm. smiths will use an acrylic based uh
0: finish yeah the uh top coat top coat yeah Grisolium.
1: um there's lots of those products out there and one thing i will say is think back to the properties of your leather what's your leather what do you want your leathers to do
0: yeah
1: if you've got a leather that is going to be working, and you want it to brush up and come yeah. up with a beautiful patina. Yeah. Always finish with a quality wax-based yeah. conditioner. Yeah. Um, that will give you the seal, sealing, and also retain the properties yeah. of the leather. If you put some other sort of product, it's going to break down over time. It'll crack, or where it bends, yeah. it'll crack. Water or oils or dirt will get in there, yeah. and then you're left with this sort of awkward finish that yeah. will never be the same again.
0: Yeah. Um. Oh, actually, because I, I remember you mentioned acrylic. Mm-hmm. So on some, um, I know, like, belts and that sort yeah. of stuff, areas that sort of the dye can seep from, yeah. I know a lot of us use, like, I'll use an acrylic resin on yeah. the edge yeah. of your belt. Yeah. yeah. So if you're covering the sort of the edges of your yeah. belt, yeah. and that won't damage it, because you're not allowing,
1: allowing it to breathe or anything like that. Be so, yeah, that, yeah, small amounts yeah. of leather, you've got to yeah. think about, but you wouldn't apply about, it, you know no definitely yeah. wouldn't you would not apply a top coat or i wouldn't personally to yeah. any form of leather that's going to need the properties of breathability
0: yeah okay
1: never i'd never do that and yeah. i think you know coming back to it when my grandfather when i burnish edges i always come back wax burnish yeah it's, all, it's yeah. hard it's hard work isn't it it's hard well, work well,
0: that's the traditional um you actually melt the wax yep. into, and I sort of that's one of the skills I want to to do, but but it's a beautiful classic finish, like it's a real. That's the only finish that I know. Yeah, so, yeah. it's a, like you know yeah. You, yeah. when you when you melt it in, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. It's a, it is, yeah. That you, you probably you know acrylic resin is probably the more man-made. Yeah, product. and time efficiency. A lot of leather yeah. smiths
1: say to me, you know, Jared, look, I've got to make a belt. I've got to try and sell yeah. it for this you got to factor your time into yeah. it and how do you how do you balance that up. Yeah. Um, I think if you're doing something that you really want that A1 finish or something historical or personal and you want yeah. the very best, I'd use a wax yeah. to burnish every time.
0: Do you, so you, do you sell those?
1: Uh, yeah, as I said, coming soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not available <laughs> just yet, but yeah, surely. I love
0: the, I do like the smell of that. It's stages of cleaning to conditioning your leather. So... I, I sort of mentioned my one so mm. you can critique it a bit so yep. I've you know you, you, know, you get your, your brush you dust off the dust you get mm. like a, you wet a cloth you will just clean off the excess dirt mm-hmm. saddle <laughs> soap yeah. but then I heard that you can I usually when I use saddle soap afterwards I'll you know wet it with water just to get any excess off and then you condition it through polish yeah, that sort okay. of stuff yeah so what's the uh, what's the go yeah,
1: I I tried to mention ma- I did mention a bit of that process before on the Red Wing Iron Ranger, but yeah. it it is very similar. I have created the leather care guide, yeah. um, and this is available on my website, um, on the care page there. And it goes through all the recommended stages, but I have mentioned them before. Number one is the cleaning, but one thing I will mention when it comes to cleaning, you need to be using the right equipment, and I mentioned the Heritage Care Box, yeah, because like it's got that. the right gear yeah, in yeah, there. Hundred percent horsehair brushes. Never use anything apart from horsehair on your leather. Reason for that: it doesn't scratch or damage your leather. Should
0: you get into shaving products.
1: No, I'm not getting into shaving no? products because I'm passionate about leather products. Um, well, so hundred percent horsehair.
0: You need the horsehair to go around. To get like, your leather. The whiskers.
1: Yeah. So the other thing is that's the little detailing brush, great for cleaning. Wash it off, then you use your your leather soap to do you, get that do you leather.
0: Put a bit of water on this.
1: Yeah. So how it works? It's really simple. I do it now. Just. Squirt a bit of water on there and then basically you work the water into the leather soap and it'll create, with a bit more water, create a white lather yeah. there. And obviously the more water you add, the more lather you get. Um, it's, it's really that simple, like you create your lather. Can you just let it dry out afterwards? And then once you're done, yeah, just let yeah, that dry okay. out yeah. and you can store that away. Yeah. A little goes a long way. You so can no, see that it lasts a long time. Zero. That's one hundred percent natural. So wow. throughout the whole restoration of any product or any any leather product I do, I always hands on, no gloves, cleaning. Yeah, filling. well, that's the
0: thing with some, you know, with the with that squirty stuff I'd use, you'd put yep. your gloves on because it just. Yeah. yeah. Even
1: every job I do, it's uh, it comes with an applicator pad. Um, I use that applicator pad certain processes removing any excess yeah. but when I'm applying my I like like the space smell conditioner the,
0: like I smelled it when I got it
1: scoop a big bit onto my hand there and then it's basically both hands all lathered up and then working into the leather and when yeah. I'm conditioning it's both yeah. hands fully conditioned working on all the cracks um, all natural you don't have to worry all natural you don't have to worry yeah. you can use yeah. your hands to do that process yeah.
0: What if you want to polish your shoes? Yeah, so polish. Is there a difference? I
1: haven't got a uh, shoe polish yet. reason, number one reason yeah. is shoe polish uh, would use a petroleum byproduct to do that. Yeah. Essentially, it relies on a petroleum product to evaporate off your leathers, yeah. to leave just a wax film there which can be polished. It's been petroleum free on all my products, all yeah. natural. If I was to go down a shoe polish avenue, it would be the one product that would have to have a petroleum byproduct in there. Uh, to have the evaporation effect, to act as a shoe polish. So yeah. shoe polishes—I've got to put it out there—a shoe polish is not a conditioner. A shoe polish will yeah. give you a shine, give you a look, yeah. but is not protecting to a greater degree as a traditional yeah. wax-based or leather oil.
0: But if you put it over the top of it, that's yeah,
1: that's all good. Yeah, it's good because yeah. it'll just give you that nice yeah. luster, and that's all, a lot of people want that luster yeah. on their their shoe, and that's yeah. a, a shoe shine basically
0: Um, i mentioned about the conditioner i made um yeah so what i did with my conditioner i just made it with tallow lard and beeswax yeah but that was really thick stuff yep Yep. is is that that's just too much viscosity when it's really thick
1: really it it comes down and that takes it takes a lot of time to get the viscosity and the the feel and the but is that what you want with the conditioner With your conditioner? Yeah. Uh, Well depending, see this is awkward now because when you make a product and a lot of people go out there and make a product, you've got to have a clear intention, what do you want it to achieve? Do you want it to seal and protect? Do you want it to hydrate? Or are you trying to do everything? A lot of conditioners will try and hydrate, seal and protect at the same time. Yeah. That's when I'd say leave it to the experts. Yeah. Uh, For all those leathersmiths out there that are trying to make their own leather balm, it's, it's really tricky, it's, uh, you know, good luck to you. It is a lot, it is, it's an art to try yeah. and create products that will meet the needs of all the leathers and getting the viscosity. Yeah. And you also trying to um, create a product that has got multiple ingredients yeah. in it, like your recipe was quite simple.
0: Well, it, it was handy on shoes, mm. like because I sort of, you want that bulk thickness for yeah. shoes, like yeah. you need that added protection, but. Yeah. You know, conditioning a wallet, it just wasn't good for that because yeah. it was just so thick. Yeah. Thick. And um, so what would you recommend for like, you know, a leather crafter who sort of, you're making a wallet mm-hmm. and you just want something just to go over the top of it just to protect it. Yeah,
1: definitely. So that would be the Artisan Sun leather conditioner, okay, yeah. the wax base.
0: And that would work on, bri- is
1: there a difference Brighter between leather, bridal yep. leather? And you.
0: is that, yeah, I'm more interested in um, like bridal
1: leather. Definitely. Would work on bridal leather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That would, be your, yeah. that would be my number, this is my best seller, yeah. uh, my number one seller, just because a lot of people haven't got the expertise to understand leather hydration. If you're a leathersmith, and understand leather hydration yeah. and understand the property of leather and you could look at a leather and see how it's responding, the colour, yeah. look at the pull-up of the leather. If all those things you go, yeah, i got that, that's when the leather oil is really useful. Yeah. If you're somebody that wants just a quick top coat, or somebody that just wants to put uh, a, a seal and protect, yeah, that would be the leather conditioner there. It also conditions there, but not to the same extent. If you've got something really dry and dehydrated,
0: so you wouldn't. If it was really dry, you would you'd, you'd, you'd get that. You'd get it really um, hydrated first, and then you yeah. just use the leather conditioner. When it over dries t- out a bit, just go back to the leather conditioner.
1: Yep. Seal okay. and con- seal and protect over the top
0: do you, know, do you know a bit about that, the wax, the, yeah. the, the bloom sort of? Yeah,
1: that's the blooming of the waxes. So basically what happens, uh, my leather conditioner will do the same thing. Oh, really? If you put the same, if you lather my conditioner on, what's going to happen, it's going to bloom as well. And like I say, my my, my product comes back to, to Leather Smiths, to tanning. Yeah. It's all those processes, those age-old processes, uh, I put in a tin, uh, I put my name on yeah. it, uh, because I, that's something i love that blooming of the waxes basically yeah. what's happened from the tanning process all the leather is pulled in pulled in probably and probably needs more hydration but pulled the oils that have been put in the tanning process and left the wax on the top and that's the blooming the wax blooming so it's just a yeah. wax surface and when you get it and you yeah. rub it up or buff it in there that's when you get that beautiful okay. luster and that tactile feel yeah um, a lot of my artisans like my products as well because when the product is in your hand it's got a great feel to it it's not a oily slippery feel yeah uh, it's something i dislike um ask my wife she hates i hate hand lotion for the fact it's always this greasy yeah, mess i've like, got my hand trying to wash it off and it just the water just doesn't sit with yeah. me <laughs> uh, and that's what comes back to my products like this will
0: so you can pull in off. the pores yeah
1: doesn't leave a greasy finish to it
0: yeah
1: uh, there's a product out there that Derives from a sheep uh, that will leave a really greasy finish. It's popular in a lot of yeah. leather balms. I don't use any animal byproducts no. in any of my products, um, and that's another thing. That greasy finish, oh, I yeah. it doesn't sit well with me.
0: So can you just so the I'm fascinated with the bloom. So when mm, the when mm. the tanner when so they just they dye the product like the leather. So they just put so much conditioner over yep. it like this constant
1: and it, and it gets into the leather. Yeah, it gets in the pores, the pores uptake the oils yeah. and then leave that wax on the top there. And basically okay. that wax is designed there to give it the feel and to protect the leather. Yeah. Um, Artists and Son, you can do the same thing. So you could do that, you could just yeah. it. Wax it, leave it for a couple of days. And you've got to understand this leather is sitting for sometimes, you know, weeks to years, that same hide there. And it's up pulling all that oil till there's no oil left. The same thing you could do the same thing without a snub yeah. if you put the product on and you put it on yeah leave it there it'll uptake and leave that blooming there because the waxes have been left behind yeah. but at the same time if you understand that that's a natural process and you can work it in yeah. it's beautiful yeah it is but you've got to have that knowledge and that's another thing about all my products there a lot of people don't have the knowledge of my products and yeah. what it's designed to do uh, and if you simply just pick this up and go oh oh this is going to be like that greasy other Hand lotion or leather conditioner yeah. I've used. It's not. It's a leather conditioner designed for leathersmiths and for artisans. that's yeah. that's my main main objective. Yeah. Best possible product.
0: because um, I know I've heard you know tanneries they will apply tallows and grease, mm. and they'll use the word grease. So what do they mean by the word grease? Oh, it could
1: be yeah, it could be anything. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. You throw around names of grease. I would assume yeah. it's just an oil. Oh, okay. Mm.
0: Um. So just a bit about your other products that you make. So your wood, the wood conditioner. Yeah, wood conditioner. Yeah. So. Yeah,
1: so I've got a metal conditioner, wood conditioner, and a fabric wax.
0: Yeah. So just a bit about how you would use each of each one of yeah, them. Yeah.
1: So wood conditioner is great for any timber products, any yeah. um, unlacquered or un, un, unfinished timber products. Yeah. So like if it's dyed like that with the white, you. Couldn't yeah, either. so that's a, a painted finish. You wouldn't use yes. Artist Sun wood conditioner over the top of a painted yeah. finish. Uh, simple fact that the pores of the timber there have already been sealed. Yeah. I can't get any oils or waxes back into the pores because it's been painted over the top. Yeah. Um, so Artist of Sun was designed to seal and protect timbers that have been untreated, so unpainted. Um, and then with my metal conditioner, a lot of knife smiths telling me and say, yeah. "Oh, I oil my knives after my Damascus knives. I oil them to protect the steel. Oil's slippery, cheap, well, uh, runs onto your leather, spoils your leather." They said, "You know, can you can you come up with a product that will meet our needs?" And yeah. Artisan Sun Metal Conditioner born.
0: Yeah. Well, I because I use a straight razor, so yep. I just love the traditional. Yeah. And people and I've heard that if you're not using it, put mineral oil over it. So yeah, so, mineral oil,
1: petroleum byproduct. Yeah. Uh, artisan sun metal conditioners all yeah. natural wax based conditioners so,
0: so you if you just say if you want when you just put over the top yeah. leave it
1: just a quick wipe of the artisan metal conditioner over the top yeah and it'll seal and protect the metal from oxidation so rust
0: so and then how do you take it off you just you don't have to
1: take it off because it's all natural that's the other thing Like oh, so you can shave you could leave it, it you could change that's, awesome. that's the other thing like uh, for me my knives if I go out hunting I'll have all my knives protected and sealed ready to go yeah. and I know i I pull my my knife or my tool or whatever I'm needing yeah I know that it's safe ready to go
0: yeah so when would you know and um, with wood conditioner because I have tools at home hmm. you know I guess yeah and tool so, handles are great yeah yeah some of the tool handles are they must have like a have like a glass finish over the top of it yeah. like it's really shiny so that obviously must shellac one.
1: yeah shellac's an old finish yeah.
0: yeah so can you if there's an oil finish over the can you still use the wood conditioner? Yeah, or definitely. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've noticed as well some, you know, you get a bit of surface rust, mm. just, just by, by the tools just sit in there. Yeah. Um, so if you just have some metal conditioner that just... Stops that surface rust, yeah. Yeah, so actually just sort of, because I'm, I'm the type of person where, you know, I like to know how things work. Mm. So, so wood, it just dries out, and then the,
1: the wood conditioner, it's got oils and waxes in there yeah, to okay. penetrate and seal and protect yeah. it. And with metal? So metals okay. Metal is different, metal doesn't need to, to breathe, yeah. you don't need to penetrate oils into metal. Yeah. What you need is a wax based product that you can wipe over the top and yeah. seal yeah. out the pores of the metal yeah. there to stop water and oxidation occurring yeah. on the surface. And metal is never smooth, we always think of metal yeah. in that flat oh, yeah. set. It's <laughs> You know, under it's yeah. microscope, you're well aware it's got all those little pores. Yeah, that's why you have the to, wax is sealing out those pores. That's why you
0: have to use like 3,000 grit sandpaper yeah. to get it. Yeah. Um, so how would that go on brass?
1: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah all natural, no dramas. Any any metals, no, brass, nickel, copper. Nickel plates. Nickel, nickel is yeah. fine. Yeah, because it's natural, it's not corrosive. Uh, so it doesn't have any reaction with those yeah. um, precious metals.
0: So some of the stories... From your customers with your products. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, that'd
1: be a... Stories are good ones. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with the bag. You noticed the bag when I came in? Yeah, I did. I'll...
0: So, you enter- oh, the bag? Yeah, the it's creasing. Hang on, on to it there.
1: Um, so this bag here was actually given to me. So, uh, an old farmer uh, had this bag in his workshop and I spotted it and I spotted it being somebody fascinated I love, I love with uh, leather and tools yeah. and he had this bag there full of workshop tools and the story goes it was actually a, a tool bag for a one of the mechanics on the farm yeah and he'd left the bag there for years and years and when I picked up this particular bag uh, it was you could not do what you're doing now the bag was in such a state yeah. that the guy turned to me and he said it's yours you want it it's yours and I said wow that's terrific um, I've got a bit of leather inside that I'd like to actually show you there Jesse. Because it's... I'm just seeing how it's
0: constructed. Yeah, no, no, it's it's really well made. The classic, like, rivets, metal... Metal
1: rivets? just Old-fashioned. Now, that's part of the leather... Oh, yeah. ...when I restored it. It was basically in such a state, anything you moved was cracking, and even across the surface here, you can see these large cracks on the seams here. This was all all cracked. So you couldn't open the bag. The bag was so dehydrated and so dry, you couldn't do anything with it. It was covered in bird poop, dust. All the buckles there were so dehydrated. Yeah. This bag took probably about a month to restore. So yeah. a month. And how how did I go about it? It was so dehydrated uh, that it basically was a month of restoration pulling the stitching apart, re- hand-stitching, and notice how crude the stitching is. That was the original yeah, stitch I know. marks. Oh, yeah, I
0: look, I'm looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's really crude. It's just so traditional. Like, you traditional, know.
1: that's how they did it. It was, yeah. some, it was made to last, but the thickness of the veg tan was just second to none. Just a thick thread, yeah. wide stitch lines. You know, that's it just, is a beautiful bag, yeah. uh, and basically it was heritage oil, a coat, Oh, first of all see it was a clean and then going through multiple multiple coats of leather oil over many many days yeah. and weeks because it was so dry and dehydrated one thing you you know having control of your leather you don't want to overhydrate leather yeah. if you overhydrate or so over oil a leather it gets soft weak and it will tear. Oh, really? Okay. So that's one thing that a lot of people don't realise: overhydrating of leather. So this particular point across here, I had to be really careful. It was so dry and brittle. You can see some cracking there. Yeah. It'd be easy just to put oil, heaps and oil. But what would happen if I overhydrate that? It gets really soft, really, really soft, and basically it'll tear like paper. So over- yeah. overhydrated leather just tears like paper. Yeah. It just gets the fibres get too loose lose its structure and it just basically tears and on a bag like this you think of that that work point there yeah that would basically just tear off
0: well if if you do overhydrate can yeah. you just let it dry
1: would you that's just, the only thing you yeah. can do overhydrated leather the only thing you can yeah. do is just let it sit there and that's something that uh that takes a long time so you got to be careful and that's what i was talking about the viscosity of the oil it's thick enough that when you put it on you've got work time with it if you've got a mineral-based or a very low viscosity oil, it'll sit on there. And it'll just in yeah. it goes, and you yeah. can't have time to um, to wipe it off.
0: How? Um, because I know you, you know when you, when you make belt belt loops or what, like the belts here, and you yep. fold the leather over or yep. wet molding, people will mm. wet the the grain yep. to bend it. Could you just use the heritage oil instead
1: to wet mold? Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely you could. Uh, but wet moulding, it's got its place because wet moulding generally done at the start before you've done any dyeing. Yeah. Um, and I do je- a lot of leathersmiths myself. I do my wet moulding first and then follow up with my hydration and then yeah. seal and protect. Yeah. Um, I would recommend that wet moulding yeah. first and then come through. So, water,
0: like using water to make the leather soft is is still good enough, you know? Yeah, yeah, but
1: definitely you need to come back through because once leather does dry, it loses its yeah. suppleness it gets stiff. It does. Yeah. So you need to think about what are you gonna apply so that you can bring that leather back to yeah. back to life.
0: Can you wet mold can you do it twice? So I've noticed, you know, when you wet, mm-hmm. you know, areas like this and you bend it mm-hmm. and then it dries and, you mm-hmm. know, it gets really stiff. Can you wet mold again or is that just yeah, definitely you can. Okay, yeah. But depending on the type of leather,
1: how thick it is, the response. Yeah. Yeah, generally the veg tans that you're using that you know three to four mil thick. you could definitely yeah. do it multiple times
0: yeah um actually i'll just ask uh, do you have um so with like chrome excel and all that sort of stuff would you really need to use a hair like a leather oil
1: uh yeah chrome excel so would you need an oil yes i'd still use yeah. a hydration oil um even though it's been uh, tan with oils and fats and waxes yeah. in there still Come back, yeah. have a look at the pull-up of the leather and the Red Wings. When I first got a pair, they needed an oil; they were dehydrated. So is Red it,
0: Wings, what are they? What leather is
1: they? Uh, it's an oil tan oh, leather. Okay, yeah, yeah. Chrome tan leather there.
0: Yeah.
1: So they've got their own tannery which yeah. is they do that process. Yeah. But you've got to consider that by the time they make it, go through a box and send it out, it's been several months before it gets to you. Well, that's the thing. You that that that
0: forget as well, you know the. Yeah shoes could be you know they're not just straight off the factory line. Oh, no, no. so um and that's the same with leather conditioner with chrome chrome excel yeah combination tan definitely yeah, yeah definitely okay. yeah awesome there's the, the world war two leather rifle bucket
1: oh so i had one customer it's on instagram um a lot of my customers i really pride myself on the ones that people get in content and say oh hey i've got this really rare or unique so i've actually had um a world war two Gun scabbard given to me and basically the customer said look i'm going to throw this out unless you can do something with it and it got a full restoration uh, done uh, clean oil uh, condition it was essentially the same steps we've outlined before yeah um and then it actually got i uh, gave it back to the customer and, and then it got sold off for for a quite a bit of money and went to a museum so it was then displayed in a museum, and that leather piece is now in a, in a museum, uh, fully conditioned, fully waxed there. Looks a million bucks uh, wow. to this day. So yeah. it's nice to know that your products are being used for some significance as well.
0: Yeah. So, um, so when, going back to the... So if you get a, a product that's you know, it's like the rifle... Yeah, okay, what, two. Yeah, what, what 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 rifle was it for? Uh,
1: so it was a World War Two. I believe it was the three hundred three. Leanfield? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that when you said. So that, it was that a yet. traditional horse-mounted oh, rifle bucket. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it was a horse-mounted. So it was really thick veg tan. Uh, it was just the patina on it. You could see yeah. it was rubbing on the on the horse. It was just an epic bit of history and something like that as well. Yeah. I love the you're cavalry. So yeah,
0: There's you're so. I don't, I don't
1: know. It was really, it was homage to, uh, you know, the people before us and, you know, using my products on it. It was a lot of joy bringing yeah. this bit of leather back to life. Yeah. Because the guy said to me, he goes, oh, look, I'm going to throw it out. That would have just been, yeah. that would have broken my
0: heart. Yeah. Um, so, going yeah, going back to the, so when, if you, if you, if just say if someone does find the product, hmm. would you? Yeah, you jump on the it. website. You can order okay. you'd clean, from the website. Yeah. So, you'd clean it off with your saddle this, this, not a saddle soap yeah no, no, it's hard. your, your um, natural leather soap okay that's first so cleaning Yeah, so you'd clean it and then you, that's when you do the hydration yeah because yeah, i got um my friend he bought some some uh like these what would you call it? Oh, the you know the army stores but they're the surplus yeah foods? surplus stores yeah. Mm-hmm. and they were some european shoes and i yeah. tried to and i was sort of doing sort of similar what you did rest restoring it and yeah. i noticed that when you would condition it, mm-hmm. like you could condition it and it would come up beautiful, but yeah. then sort of a day later it would dry out again. Yes. So you yeah. just have to keep getting yeah. the, the oils into it.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's one thing I was talking about before on the process. Cleaning, coming back, and I said, you know, give it a coat of the heritage oil, yeah. have a look after a day of the yeah. uptake of the oil, because when you put a, a, a coat of oil on, a leather will uptake, look at it a day later and see the response, yeah. look at the pull up then put a second, third, you know, this bag here, that, that was, you know, oh, I'd lost count of how many coats that needed. Yeah. But lots of light coats. Somebody said, well, why don't you just tip the whole bottle on there and just <laughs> let it run and let it still, well, if you did that, you can well, like overhydrate, you just keep pulling it in. Well, it like doesn't make, know when to stop.
0: When you make risotto, you put in like a little bit Yeah. a yeah. time, you don't just tip the whole. Oh, we've got all
1: the analogies today, <laughs> cooking analogies here. Yeah.
0: Um, so okay, so when was the point where you're like, Okay, this is hydrated enough?
1: Yeah, what's the point? So look at your leather. You're so going, the colour, colour the colour on the pull up. So the pull yeah. up when you bend your leather, you're having a look at that the pull up colour. If that pull up colour is dark and you're pulling it up and it's maintaining really dark, yeah, you're at a hydrated point okay. there.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're you're pulling it up and it's it's going really white or light in colour, yeah. it's not hydrated yes. enough. Um, but best of you, you just work a leather when you Look at a leather product, you look at the colour, uh, and generally you can just ten- tell by the colour of the leather yeah. how hydrated it
0: is. Yeah. So what about the stockman bag?
1: Uh, yeah, so another customer, uh, basically he was a stockman across South Australia, worked on some famous stations. Uh, having a, a farming background, I was very interested in the stockman bag. basically handed me this bag that had been tossed to the side and just said, nah, this leather bag's no good. Um, I proceeded to take it and clean it up for him um, and he was amazed and just said I didn't think this bag could be used again and explaining and educating to people that yeah. leather is a product, the bag, the boots, this Stockman bag, leather is one of those products you can treat it really bad, you can not care for it for yeah. decades and you can still bring it back to life. Yeah. What other product can you do that? You know, you think about all your synthetics in our throwaway society.
0: Well, fabrics, you can't really do it. Like when a fabric... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Leather is that beautiful product that if you do treat it badly, it's still tough enough to keep on going. And that was the one thing about this bag and this stockman turned around and said, this bag's got another life and its yet. And I said, yeah, it certainly does. And yeah. That's one of the things that
0: I do like about the Australian, like the histor- like Australian historical um, leather work is that it's i don't know if this, not sure if this is the word but it's very like crude. But it's just it's you know, it, it, there's no lining in that tool bag. Like no. use what it's for, like the the you know, the rifle case. Like it's just pure leather. There's no like you know Made fancy like suede lining. Yeah. yeah. But like and they're just they're just built for that they're built to last they're built for that that the use. You know, yeah. the stockman's bag. Yeah, it's and just, I think Yeah. That's
1: a purpose as well. I think some people in Leather Smiths they'll talk to me about how they spent X amount of hours, hand stitching uh, an edge of a bag or that's a mean, strap. And um, for me, you know, I, that, that bag there—the like... amount of comments that I get from that bag there—well, that's when we walked it, in. It's Breathtaking. Like... It's just like it's something that it's aged and patinated, and it, that's from a natural veg stand that's been handly, crudely stitched. You don't have to get caught up in those finicky details if you want a bag that. Yeah, a bag can still look great and functional. Yeah,
0: but all the all the parts of that bag is made, you know, for that. It still looks beautiful, but like yeah. the rivets are there. Yeah. They're not there just to look nice. Like they're nah, ripped, they're there ever. to hold the metal in. Yeah, yeah. The brass, the
1: everything, and it's got that metal internal metal frame, and yeah. all those rivets are yeah holding that thick veg tan leather to that metal frame inside. So. Yeah.
0: So different to the tall, like the tall. Things that you get nowadays. Yes,
1: but it'll outlast any of yeah. those synthetic or um, you know those plastic-made tool boxes. Yeah. That'll be here for generations to come.
0: That's good because um, I don't know my, my dad. He he, um, he loves like old tools. Like you know, going to yeah. your grandfather's house, you just see the the quality tools. You know the mm-hmm. um, so those metal conditioners would be good for those. Yeah. So so yeah. yeah so if, if you do get like a old tool, you would just how would you take how would you You just put apply the. you clean it off obviously you want to de-rust
1: take the rust off there clean it off yeah use a wax and grease remover just to take that final coat off and then come through and basically your finger and sun metal conditioner and wipe it off and then you can buff it at the end as well or if you're going to be sitting there for a long period of time you can put a thicker coat on there if you like that yeah Yeah, it's really up to the, the user need but nice and user friendly one thing we haven't spoken about uh, this is my forgotten uh, my forgotten product, but I did give you a sample one. Oh, yeah. Fa- yeah, the fabric. That's, ones? that's
0: one thing I did need to ask you because I, I'm, it's like, what would you? So you wouldn't use yeah. it on the material like this?
1: Yeah. Well, the the great thing. So the historical. Back to my grandfather. Um, you know, spending days out in a paddock. He just every day, and even still on a hot day at forty degrees, I'll be wearing long pants when I'm working. People go, "You're crazy! You're crazy! You're out there at forty degrees and wearing long pants." Well. The reason for that is the function. Number one, you don't want birds or grass seeds in your socks. Yeah. Snakes—you're ever wary about snakes in the long grass. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, when it came winter time, you didn't want wet boots. So the fabric wax historical background—it uh, was actually used on ship sails to seal and protect ship sails. That's cool. Um, what ship sails made out of? Well, they were uh, canvas, cotton. Um, So my fabric wax got born through an artisan in New South Wales and he's doing uh, some great things with uh, an outdoor jacket that's made of canvas Yeah. and he needed a a seal and protectant for that and I said I I know an old recipe that works a treat. So basically I've got a pair of pants here and just to show you the difference, this is a pair of paper and separate separating. That's all them on your website. Yeah, so this is a pair of Carhartt pants. One side's been waxed, one side's untreated. Yeah. And the great thing about waxed fabric, it's waterproof. Yeah. It's protected. It'll outlast. So it's thicker, tougher wearing yeah. than the unprotected side. Is that similar to like mole skin? Yeah. So yeah. mole skin, yeah. A lot of people yeah. will talk about oil skin, mole skin. Yeah. Um, waxed fabric is a traditional way to protect fabric. So uh, that will fade really, really quick. It's not waterproof, it'll get wet, it'll wear what through. Like these? Yeah. No dramas. Oh, really? Can't. I actually was in a store the other day and a, a customer said, oh, can I wax these pants? And I said, open the bar, rub that on his pants. So you can do it now if you want them. Um, it gets on there. And the other great thing is the pull-up you get from a wax product. Like you can, yeah. That beautiful cracked pull-up yeah. you can't get from any other product there. Yeah. It's just a great look it's a really yeah. nice look so, oh, so that's, the, that's the after math. yeah that's the yeah. that's the look afterwards and it's got this beautiful cracked and distressed look there yeah. that when you work it more and more it gets better and yeah. better like patinas with age and looks yeah. great so so you wouldn't use that on like jeans yep so denim you can use chinos chinos any, oh, any fabric any fabric nylon synthetic this? you can use it um, Probably not, it's more of a suede. Yeah, clothes you might have a bit of problems just yeah. applying it. But um, it is a really great product How do uh, you, for uh, the protecting materials. So you just rub it on
0: and then? Yeah,
1: so basically heat activated or you can rub it on. Basically if you rub it on you're using friction as the method of heating yeah. or providing uh, friction generating heat. Yeah. Um, and a hairdryer as well just to, to move it around. But it's basically rub it on, use a hairdryer just to move any high points yeah. around. Uh, and then once it's on, let it sit for a day, two days, uh, and then you're good to go. Um, right. Also on the kit, it's got the full instructions and directions about how to wax. And that goes through, you know, that process I've just yeah. spoken about. So it just talks you through there. Yeah. It's, it's really, yet again, you can get your hands involved yeah. and rub that through. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really forgiving and it's, it's yeah. a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Dry as a bone, I hope it would work on
1: yeah, so it dries the bones, yeah. same principle. So yeah. it's uh, dries the bones and oil or tin finish. Yeah. Uh, that's a fabric wax. I've reconditioned several dries the bone jackets. Yeah. Uh, a couple of customers said it's better than you. So, uh, yeah, it's humbling when your products get used on some yeah. big big designer brand name products and it looks better than when it came from factory.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things we forget nowadays is that know the upkeep of things because things are s- yep. synthetic Yeah, you know you, you forget about the upkeep then. when you buy something you know like a leather pair of shoes yeah. or bag yeah. you're like okay wow this can actually dry out Yes, that's to take care of it so yeah and like you said there's so much stuff on the market is yeah. finding that and people love the natural stuff as well because that's what lasted yeah
1: and I think finding something finding a product that you can trust as well I think it's important because yeah. there's a lot of companies that I've reached out to and tried to find out some details and you don't hear anything back.
0: Um, thanks, Joe, for coming on. I really do appreciate it.
1: No, Thanks, Joseph. It's been good fun. Yeah. First uh, I look forward to seeing some of your projects on Instagram using Addison yeah, Sun products.
0: Yeah, and um, first time interviewing in person as well, so it's good yeah. to be able to talk face-to-face. Exactly, so. yeah. As much as I do love my international talks and interstate talks, yeah. but yeah, you don't, yeah. Face-to-face is yeah. nice. So, yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you.
1: No, Thanks, Joseph.